Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. Here we go again with another episode. Welcome back. Chalker Checkups. Welcome back. I wanted to talk about probably the two most misunderstood abilities, psychic abilities that people have. They're also the most common psychic abilities that people have. The first one is empathy. And the second one is telepathy. And some people think that those two things are the same. They're actually very, very different. So I thought we'd kind of go over that a bit and talk about the differences. Yeah. So what are the differences? Because I think it's pretty common for people to say, I'm an empath. Empathy is all about feeling. It has nothing to do with the transmission of thoughts or ideas. It's about feeling. And of course you can feel something and get an idea from it. But basically empathy is an advanced sense of being able to feel things in this dimension and maybe more importantly in other dimensions where empathy is very, very important is if you are in the astral or another dimension and something happens, you see something or you're suddenly switched from one place to another, which I've had happen, or someone approaches you who you don't know who that is. Your empathy is there for you to be able to ask yourself, does this feel okay? Does this feel safe? And get back a response. Yes, this is totally fine or no, this is not good at all. And I need to return to my body. I mean, let's bring it back back down to planet earth because you know, maybe some of us are astral traveling, but that's still a skill that we use if we walk into a bar. Does this feel okay or not? And then I think we talk ourselves out of it a lot by being like, no, 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 it's fine. Or we don't trust our instincts. And then something does happen and you're like, oh shit, I should have put air in the tire when I had that feeling. Exactly. Well, and that true, that's also your empathy helping you to feel the situation. I went down to the beach the other day and I noticed, oh, I didn't notice at first, but I felt that it might be a little bit dangerous and I couldn't quite figure out why. And then I noticed that the waves were not only bigger than usual, that they were coming in at a much different angle. And then when I looked around a bit more, I saw that um, the sand was wet much higher on the beach than I'd ever seen it. So I thought, Maybe I won't stay here and hang out and possibly be the victim of one of these, you know, rogue big waves and come back another day. Now that's your empathy, like warning you to look around, pay attention. Feel, I kept getting this feeling that it might be dangerous. So trust that mm -hmm. and, and take action for your own good. That's much different than how people use empathy. Most people, not everyone, but I literally talked to, I have talked to hundreds of people that have had readings and tell me I go into a room and I go into people's energy and I can feel what they're feeling. And I do one thing or another based on that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think that takes a lot of like conscious thought and effort to realize that you're going into somebody's energy. I think some people, I know a few myself who are very strong empaths and don't necessarily know that that's what they're doing, but again, can walk into a room and go, that person's anxious, this person's feeling this way, like that conversation isn't going well over there. And then we get overwhelmed and then they're like, I don't want to be in the social situation. 
Well, exactly. And none of that should happen. Right. I know people have said to me, so many healers have said to me, but I've been doing this since I was a little girl, or I've been doing this since I was born. Well, that doesn't actually make it the proper thing to do or the best thing to do for your healing or for your safety. And it's kind of tragic that it, this isn't taught in schools, you know, to young children so that it would never happen. But anytime that you extend your empathic ability into somebody's energy to know that they're having a bad conversation or that person is anxious. I mean, what does it mean to know that you're extending your energy into somebody's thing to the, because I, all of the empaths I know are unconscious of it. And they're just like, it's uncomfortable for me to be in public spaces. Well, if you feel what someone feels across the room, you have extended your energy into their energy. Mm -hmm. If you, if you deliberately said, I am not going to, I'm not willing to, and I'm going to consciously avoid extending into anybody's energy, then you would just walk into a room and see people that are making some level of noise and have some facial expressions and are wearing certain colors. And you would have to make any judgment you had about them based on that, mm -hmm. not on any feeling. If you project into someone's energy, you make a bridge because you've actually invaded their energy. It's an invasion. And anytime there's an invasion, invasion, you can attach to them and you make an energetic bridge that can bring back to you the very things you felt, anxiety, um, edginess, uncertainty, whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the worst thing that a psychic could do on a daily basis is empathetically jump into people's energy. And when I first started healing, I, I mean, I was the worst at it. I, when I was 13, I started healing. I noticed that I could extend myself into someone's energy and feel all of their symptoms. And then I would literally bring the symptoms into my body and go, Oh, wow, this is, this is bad nausea. This is a really <laughs> awful headache. And then I would try to heal it. And I was pretty successful at healing it, but it made me a nervous wreck as a kid. I mean, I was just like, so edgy and so nervous all the time and had a great deal of difficulty with people. Understandably so. Understandably so. And it took me many, many years to figure out that this is the wrong way to do that. That is not healing. In fact, it doesn't heal the person. All it really does when you extend into energy and feel it is you kind of scoop up some of their energy and take it away with them take it away from them. And they may feel a little bit better for a few minutes, but whatever their issue is, they have that going on as a, something to catch their attention. And they're just going to have to build back up to it. Mm -hmm. If you're doing this in a family setting, like with your mate or partner, that mate or partner will begin to feel agitated and angry at you and not even know why, because in a way you're messing with their balance. You're messing with what they're, they're trying to bring into consciousness and balance. If you were trying to, let's say, open your third eye and you began to try different things and one of them gave you a headache. And then I walked in the room and kind of, Oh, I've got to take that away from her and did that over and over again. You wouldn't ever figure out the solution and you will, you will sense the invasion and begin to get edgy. They'll begin to feel aggravated by you without really understanding why, when, I have done readings for many psychologists and lots of nurses and doctors, a few doctors, not a huge amount of doctors, but, and sometimes they are literally covered with dark energy that they have picked up because they have gone into people's system empathically. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that would be a pretty easy thing to do. Like, especially as a nurse, you're in that field to, 
help people, you probably can empathize. Oh, this person's really hurting. What can I do to help? How do I help them? You know, I just want them to feel better. And you may not be thinking like, I want to take on their energy to heal them. But I think there is a lot of that loving care of like, I just want this person to feel better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. And to say, okay, how, how might this person be feeling? Oh my, they have a fever that could be very uncomfortable. They might be sick to their stomach. They haven't eaten. Perhaps they need some food. That is much different from extending in their energy and going, oh God, they feel so nauseous and they're very anxious and they're trying to figure out how they're going to eat and all of that because you're feeling all those things. Mm -hmm. And when you bring all that into your body, even if you afterwards go, I want to send this to the light or, or I want to send this wherever, it doesn't really clean up. It partially cleans up and you're left with... You mean it cleans up? Only partially in your energy? Yes, only partially in your energy will it clean up. Even if you consciously try to clean it up, it's difficult to completely remove something. And if you go to bed with all that going on, by morning it is yours. So by morning you wake up with a certain amount of these symptoms and it works in your body almost like a virus and just sort of weaves through your system. And now you're weaker you have more pain and you have less energy. And then sometimes people will do, okay, I've got to do an extreme cleanse and I'm going to meditate for five days and, you know, and then they clear out, but then they go back and do more of the same again. Right. Because I, I kind of feel like a lot of people are unconscious of what they're really doing. So how do we be more aware that that's happening? And then how do we prevent that well one of the ways to be aware is think about am i being empathetic or am i being sympathetic does that person across the room look sick and mm -hmm. sympathy is somewhat more reserved and perhaps let it well it's definitely less feeling and a little bit more clinical so yeah the person's clutching their stomach do they look sick Yes, might I want to try to help them? That could be a yes, that could be a no. Empathy would be, I can feel how sick they are and I feel I have to help them or I'm going to try to help them and you're pulling it in your body. So the choice is to be aware of those two options, especially when you're going into a public situation. I'm willing to be sympathetic. I'm not willing to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to extend into anybody's energy. And if I feel that I am feeling that, I'm going to pull my energy back and think of detaching from that person completely. And then you go back to yourself and you say, I'm not willing to process the energy from that girl in a blue dress because a lot of times you won't even know who this pe these people are in my body or in my chakra system and then think of literally trying to blow it out and replace it with light if you do it the sooner you make the correction the better the cleanup is mm -hmm. the longer you wait it becomes muddled if you spend your entire day running around town and dealing with your family and empathetically extending into everybody's energy by the end of the day you don't know what's what yeah i mean i think that's pretty common <laughs> i think it is pretty common but it's not necessary it's not necessary mm -hmm. now there could be an exception if you came across um, an unconscious child laying on the side of the street, that could be a time to go, okay, I'm going to empathetically extend to see if I can sense what's really going on here. So I know what I might do. Mm -hmm. That would be probably the only kind of an exception that I would ever think would be 
when someone is in some sort of a critical situation and you're trying to assess the situation and you use knowingly your empathy in order to save someone's life in order to save them or to make the right decision for whatever immediate action is necessary then you could say okay oh my god she's dehydrated i need to give water or yeah you know or i would imagine that would actually come in real handy for you know infants that can't speak yet well yes and a mother being empathetic to their to their tiny child is probably appropriate yeah i know when you just they don't have the words to say mom i am thirsty you go through all these guessing games of are you too tired are you hungry you know do you have a sore throat or are you not feeling well or this or that i feel like it could be beneficial to be like ah, okay (laughs) i agree with you i think that as a tiny little baby it's really appropriate to extend i remember with you i said to your dad here we go (laughs) i said she's she's sick and he said no she's fine i'm saying no i think she's really sick i i really do feel like she's sick and he's like no and i picked you up and i was holding you and you projectile vomited all over me (laughs) you didn't trust your instincts there (laughs) so yes i guess you were a little bit sick (laughs) and and there was the difference here you're he was not empathetic and he was just saying no uh, she looks like every other child to me and i was completely relying on my feeling and saying no she definitely feels sick so that would be a good example but yes it's useful with tiny little babies but as soon as that baby can talk and walk, then it's wise for the mother to start pulling away, consciously pulling away, and only doing it when it really does feel necessary. And by the time they're five or six, you should be done with that. Mm-hmm. And they are be on their own. Around six, they get into total consciousness. A lot of people don't realize that their child is spending a huge amount of time on the astral when they're when they're young and they're not really totally in their consciousness and in their body till around age five or six so up until that time that's probably appropriate and useful yeah but in a bar full of 30 year olds or 40 year olds or whatever age people go to bars now these days i don't know 21 to 40 okay ish there's no use for it other than getting yourself into trouble <laughs> I'm kidding. so what's the difference between like how can you tell because i know a lot of well i do it i walk into a bar and be like oh god that person's staring this person's having a hard time ordering a drink or like how can you tell the difference between me being in all of their energy or picking up on it telepathically of like that person's thirsty over there well okay if you're feeling it you have to pull yourself back for a minute and say am i feeling it or am i'm seeing it it's very hard to see someone is thirsty for a drink yeah so if you're thinking that person really wants a drink they're very thirsty i mean everybody in a bar is thirsty in some way (laughs) right now well, I don't know. I don't spend it's a very small amount of my life, very tiny percentage that I've been in bars. I think I could count the bars I've been in on both hands in my entire life. So Well, okay. A social gathering, a party, let's say. Okay. People don't necessarily have a look that means thirsty. That's more of a feeling. So if you start to be a little analytical and and pay attention to what you're doing and how you're getting that information, then you begin to think, hmm, I'm not being sympathetic. I'm maybe not being telepathic, and so I must be being empathetic. Mm -hmm. And that's not gonna be good for me or for them. Is there an exercise before going into these social settings to not do that and get overwhelmed? Well, at the risk of being extremely repetitious, yes. You First of all, you need to be in your body. Something I say almost to every person I talk to that's empathetic 
-hmm. and they say, oh, well, I don't really like being in my body. And I'm like, well, that's not going to help you a great deal. But if you pull your energy, if you breathe and you, and you say, I'm willing to be in my body and I'm going to breathe and I want to be in my body till you literally feel tingling in your feet and you mm -hmm. feel shorter. Most people will feel shorter when they're completely in their body. Feet of your soul's barely touching your heart chakra. Your sense of what you're doing is not going to be spot on for sure. Mm -hmm. So that would be the number one thing. I'm going into a bar. I'm going to be 100% in my body. The other thing is you can ask your angels to put a boundary around me. So if anything extends into my energy or if I begin to extend into someone else's energy with my empathy, I'll have a feeling about that and pull it back. Okay. And be willing and wanting to pull it back. Again, hundreds of people I've talked to say, well, I don't really want to stop doing that. Yeah, what makes somebody more empathetic than others? Because I know other people that can go into the same situation and be completely unaware of anything. And they're not empathetic. They, they're not operating from that. Everybody has a certain amount of empathy. But I think that, and, it's, and this isn't 100%. I'm not saying that everybody that's empathetic has, has been damaged, but many people have had difficult times when they were growing up or difficult relationships where they stopped communicating so much verbally mm -hmm. and stopped being so much expressive and felt more comfortable in their feeling body. Just, I'm going to feel things, but not necessarily express them, not necessarily you know, work with them this other way. And they become more and more feeling, especially if it starts early with children, and then they become more and more in their empathy and their feeling, feeling things, trying to very nervous about the world. I want to make sure I jump out there and feel if everything's safe. For a great many people, I think empathy becomes stronger early in life when they're trying to feel if they're safe and feel what's going on with everybody in the family so they know how to maneuver without being, you know, yelled at or mm -hmm. God forbid something worse. And so they become very empathetic in the way that they move through their life. And they don't really know that there is another option. Hmm. But many, many of these people, that especially the ones that are doing it the most they're running on adrenaline they're in a fight or flight mode almost all the time they're pushing themselves and they can barely get through their day they're exhausted they hurt all over many of them have fibromyalgia their body hurts and this is all because they're extending their energy beyond their chakra system and their physical body into someone else's or many someone else's energy, mostly unconsciously all day long. Mm -hmm. When I first became really aware of this, then I began to see I'd be in Walmart in line and think, my God, the person next to me has a really bad headache. And then I would start to say, okay, do I want to process this person's headache in my physical body? And I'll ask people, what would be the answer to that? And some of them are like, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> and the answer is no, no, I don't want to process this person's headache in my body or their stomach ache. And so what I, I do. I mean, isn't that just more of the empathy of like, well, if I process this person's headache, will that make them feel better? No, <laughs> it actually, but that's the thing. It doesn't. They just get another headache back. Right. So you're really not helping them. You may, they may get a moment's relief and you may have residual problems with your head for days. You're not solving it for them. And, and the other part about that is I'll, I'll, I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, this would be really great. And I think this will heal you. Do you want to do that? Probably 85% of the people say, absolutely. Yes. 
but the other 15% say no, Mm -hmm. which is hard to imagine, but, but again, it's their choice. So if you're in Walmart and someone has a headache and you take it away from them, you have invaded their energy. You haven't asked permission to heal them. Mm -hmm. You're really being kind of uh, vamping their energy and moving into their energy in a way that's not positive. And you mean like an energy vampire? Yes, like an energy vampire. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, one time I was I was in a line somewhere and I felt and I said to somebody, do you have a headache? And and they said, yes, it's said, do you want me to help you with that? And they said, no, (laughs) you know, um, and I guess it would be pretty weird to be turning to everybody. And how about your stomach ache? And how about your sore shoulder? I mean, with no reference of what you do or anything as far as being a healer, I feel like it would be pretty weird to be like, well, how are you going to help me? Like, I got like my ibuprofen right here. That's going to take care of my headache. Exactly. But on the other hand, if you ask them and they say no, then that means that what you would have done is also just really inappropriate. Is uh, just inappropriate and unwelcome. Yeah. So you're not doing them a favor. If you're a healer, and I think the worst, I was a licensed, state licensed and certified massage therapist, and I practiced for a little more than six years. And I had clients, usually four clients a day that I did hour and a half massages for. Doing hands-on healing is the worst. Uh, When you're doing something like massage, you're extending into somebody's physicality. You're trying to feel their muscles. You're trying to feel, you know, their hot spots and cold spots and where it's tense and where it's out of alignment. And when you're extending that much feeling and physical touch, it is really difficult to keep your empathetic body clean. Almost, I would say next to impossible. I'm sure people could do it. There are times I could do it. Other times it was very, very difficult, even when I was consciously trying to. That would be the same when you're picking up your children and holding them when they're sick or something like that at any age. It would be really hard. Also, it's really difficult when you're... So at the end of the day, it's a it's a good idea to ask your angels to pour light. I think of it like a waterfall of light down you take some breaths and just think i'm going to wash out from my head to my feet anything that i picked up that's not mine and do that in three breaths three times and just think of it all just being cleaned out and going into the ground not into the light but into the ground and you'll feel a difference and what you're feeling the difference is things that you had picked up empathetically that you probably had very little awareness of, Mm -hmm. but you're letting it go. And that will help you to have more energy when you wake up in the morning and you start your day again. So what's the difference between, I guess, empathetically going around the room or picking up on thought forms? Because when I went on the Socorro Islands, it was one of the things you'd warned me about of sometimes a seasickness thought form can go around the boat if a bunch of people are feeling sick you might not be feeling sick but then you start feeling because everybody else is feeling it right and that's okay so now we're talking about telepathy and telepathy is another way that people act inappropriately and it's probably even harder if you're very telepathic to get under control because if we go back to the bar scene and you're trying to figure out who to date and you know that person's definitely liking me and that person's not i don't know it can it can seem very useful to be able to pick up their thought forms mm-hmm. when you talk about something going around the room you're talking about a thought a thought and it could be a feeling could be both but going around and if you consciously say oh okay, there's, there's a headache or that person is thinking about having a headache. It doesn't matter in a way if it's empathy or telepathy, you're still engaging with somebody else's energetic body 
in a way that's probably not useful. I mean, is that as negative on your own health or when you're picking up telepathic thoughts? Well, if someone is thinking something and projecting it towards you and you pick that up, that's that's kind of natural. But if you extend into their mind against their will, then that's invasive. So if you, you want to look at somebody and you're sort of thinking, and I want to know what they're thinking, and then you start to pick up pictures or, or thoughts from them, then you're being invasive. I mean, besides knowing that it's morally wrong, why is it bad? Because, again, you create a bridge. You have done something that it's sort of like if you were on a boat and you're looking at whales and you're wondering what they're thinking, and then you might see a whale wink at you and, and sends a thought back. That's all really super cool. But I'm like, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> but what if you, uh, you know, you harpoon the whale, then that's not so cool. Sure. And when you project invasively into somebody's mind in a way, it's like an energy harpoon. Now you've created this dark, if you are a perfectly clean spiritual person, you probably wouldn't do it. But if you were completely clean, you could come away okay, although not ideal. But if you say, let's say you had some abuse issues or you had some a broken heart from an old relationship or something like that going on, that and any of that darkness in you has resonance with this other person, they can just download all of their dark stuff onto you. And then you walk out of there feeling like you, someone slung tar at you. And in a way they did, but you allowed it to happen. Now that doesn't a heal, healing for them either. Mm -hmm. you know, however, they got their darkness, you know, they're going to, they're going to still keep regenerated until they heal that. And you have to heal yours, but that going back and forth and hooking up on those people that way is not useful. And you can stay hooked up to someone that just an encounter like that happens for a minute. And I've had people that years later, I'll say, you've got this big connection to someone. And I said, I'll put some energy on it and just feel that energy for a minute and see whose face flashes in your mind. And they'll say, OMG, that's that guy in a bar that I was staring at all night. And I haven't seen him in years. You know, how could that be? Well, because at that time, you extended enough energy telepathically to join to that person that you became connected to them. And then every day from that day, they are downloading some of their crap into your system to make them feel a little bit better. Can somebody else do that to you? Like create that connection and that bridge? without you knowing? Yes, they and, can. And, and download their crap onto you? Well, you would be downloading your crap onto them. Okay, so it's a one-way bridge. Yeah, it's a one-way bridge. You've, you've been, you're the invader. Okay. You know, and- you know, Invaded. Yeah, you're the, the one that invade, you are the one invading someone's energy. You're going into their energy. So if someone does that to you, you're just being invaded and they're- Right but you get to download all their, your crap onto them. But you're still attached to them too. So it's a good idea to clean yourself up. But if you're a person of light, there's always a certain amount of light. And I've said this, I know a thousand times too, that will repel any darkness. So if you haven't done this to somebody and then you just sit down and you tone all your chakras or you just visualize you are light and you think of yourself as lighting up and then you open up and you ask your angels to help clean anything that you've got going on, 99% of that you'll blow out. It'll go away. You'll be able to repel that. But if you extend it into someone's energy and you don't consciously say, oh, you know, I'm going to end that. I want to end that. Then you could have that hanging out for a long time. Hmm. Now, if that person decided to felt they had some weird connection and they decided to create light and end the connection, yes, it would end. And you wouldn't be stuck with it anymore. I have come across people with 
more than 30 connections to different people and they'd say oh that's like the postman and that's the person i see at the grocery market you know that's my great aunt who i only see a couple times a year and all of these things and they literally covered in this stuff what does it look like when you're connected or have created a bridge to someone it, most commonly it will look like a black cord or a black rope or a black chain okay sometimes when i go down people's bodies and i have them look for these things that i'll always ask them to describe them and and this is what you do you literally just sit down think of being in light take a few minutes and do a short meditation of just enlighten your whole body one chakra at a time relax be in your body become centered and then just start from the top of your head and start to say okay if i have any of unwanted connections or connections i made unintentionally to anybody in my head how many where would there be and who would they go to and you start with how many does it feel like i have any yeah it feels like i have three okay so let's start with one that first one i'm going to focus on the idea of it does it who does it seem like it goes to oh it seems it goes to my mom so then you just try to picture in your mind and just trust whatever you get it doesn't matter but it can look like anything okay it looks like braided hair you know okay so it could you know it could be look like anything it could look like a a tube of light some people said a tube of light that's smoky or something like that mm -hmm. so then you just think okay i now consciously want to remove it from that person without hurting them in any way and i'm going to remove it from me so every bit of it is not attached to me and i'm going to pile it up uh, in your mind and then in your mind ask yourself how would i disintegrate this you know do i want it struck by lightning throw it in a volcano burn it up whatever comes again what you feel good about this this is something that phyllis crystal taught me um years and years ago and it's been really very effective with people that uh, um i've worked with i had someone recently who had been uh, actually had been raped, but they had never thought of going in and taking these connections off from the person, from the attackers and had these very strong connections from several places on their body to the attackers. So we went one by one and removed all those connections. And the result was the person was like, wow, I feel physically very different mm -hmm. than I did when before we started this. What would that feel like physically having those connections? Well, imagine if you were in a spider web. I mean, if you Just had a hard to move, hard to move, hard to want to get out of bed, hard to function, you feel tired, you feel like you're being pulled in many directions. Okay. You feel like you don't have. I mean, most people just call that depression. Well, it, I mean, maybe depression is brought on from too much of that. Yeah. I mean, if you have one to your brother and he's in New York and one to your aunt and she's in Chicago and three to family members who move, you know, you kind of are like in a spider web. Yeah. You're being pulled in all these directions. So you get all this off of you and you're going to feel like, wow, all of a sudden my energy came up the outlook looks better i feel better it's definitely worth getting those connections off but it's better not to form them mm -hmm. i mentioned before i had that nurse oh this one nurse and it was odd because it literally there was like a, a magic line that went straight down the center of her body and everything on one side of her body was completely clear and the other side of her body was so covered in entities and dark energies and connections that I couldn't see her body or her energy body it was completely covered. So how did that end up being a perfect 
on my I feminine have... and divine life. And... <laughs> well, that may be something like she was, she believed, you know, um, it was her male side that was clear. So maybe she felt that, you know, she had no masculine side, but her divine nursing mother was available to all or something like that. Who yeah. knows? Okay. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just hypothesizing, but I literally took a candle and started pulling stuff off of her and throwing it into flame. And we did that for 40 minutes. And she'd say, oh, that was the guy that died in room 18. That was that woman with the white hair that had broken her leg. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was interesting that she was that kind, but it was terrible that it was making her so sick. And she was miserable. She was physically miserable. And after we're done, she said, wow, I am definitely going to change the way I do things because I feel so much better than I have in years. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you finally are feeling a little bit better, I would be a little bit weary of, okay, how do I change things to not do this again and stuff like some, some of it can be deep rooted or unconscious habits. Right. And oftentimes that doing that will trash your thyroid and I'm guilty of that. I had done it enough, but by the time I was 50 is 20 years ago, I, my, I had a benign tumor in my thyroid. My, it was so swollen up that I was coughing blood and they had to take out half my thyroid. And that's very, very typical of very empathetic people having thyroid problems. But I believe that if I had stopped that 20 years earlier than that, I wouldn't have had the thyroid problem. So that could be one sign if people say, you know, now your thyroid looks sick. It's always running low or slow. You might say, well, maybe I need to take a hard look and see how telepathic and how empathetic I am. Now, your, tele your telepathy can be appropriate. I mean, you can decide with your family members, we're going to learn how to be appropriately telepathic with each other. And if you're ever in trouble, send me a message. If you can't get to a phone and, um, you know, I'll send you back one. There was a time in my teens where I was very telepathic with my mother and I would go hiking and I tell her, I will send you a telepathic message when I get to the end of the hike. Mm -hmm. And she would, you know, one time she wasn't there. And then I go like, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm still at the market. I meant to get there sooner. I'll be there soon. Mm -hmm. you know? But it worked. We were able to do that. We were able to send messages back and forth to each other so that I could. How nice pre-cell phone. <laughs> pre-cell phone, exactly. <laughs> and I think that can really be actually useful in a family so that if anybody ever has trouble wherever they are, you'll be able to immediately know, or, or even if you're worried and you can send them a note, you know, send them a mental message. Are you okay? And they can send you back. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just watching a movie. Yeah. Um, that can be useful. But once you develop that, then you have to be careful about how to help telepathic you are. And, I mean, I would joke with my mom. I'd sit there and say, pizza, pizza, pizza. And then she'd say, let's get a pizza. And I'd say, see, your mind is mush. <laughs> and I, most people could do that. If they want to find out how telepathic they are, just repeat the same thought and then see how long it takes someone else in the family to say, oh, I was just thinking of going to the beach or whatever. So what, uh, the, the shorter the time, the more telepathic you are? Is, <laughs> is that <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, some of that isn't necessarily invasion. You're projecting a thought and people just are picking up the thoughts that are being projected. Because you're not sending it to someone. You're just sending it out into the universe. Yeah. Just like, I really feel like having a pizza today would be really nice. And I've done that lots of times. And you come in and say, hey, I was thinking, you know, let's go do this or let's do that. And you're responding to that. So that's just a thought form in and we have many thought forms that cross our, cross our field all the time. And you can pick them up telepathically. And most of them you disregard. One of, the, one of the difficulties with people that are telepathic is that 
sometimes they think every thought that crosses their mind is theirs. Mm. And yeah, because I think if you're not aware of it, then you're like, where are these coming from? It's got to be coming from my own brain. But probably not. I would say that probably most people with even mild telepathy, at least 30% of the thoughts that cross their brain don't have anything to do with them. So how can you tell the difference? Well, you can't really. I mean, it doesn't feel that much different. But if it's kind of a strange thought, like, you know, I should go ride a horse. Where did that come from? You know, is that thought mine? And I, I literally asked, just that is that thought mine? Now, here's where your empathy comes into play. Then you'll get a feeling. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so good luck, horseback rider. Wherever you are. <laughs> that happens a lot. People that are really empathetic and don't know the difference, some of them wind up in mental institutions. They think that whatever thought comes into their mind, that is theirs, and it's maybe something they should or should not do. And the example, one of the, the worst examples I've seen, I've seen a lot of them, but that always comes to mind for me is the nurse who actually had a voice telling her that uh, she should misprescribed medication. She should change the medication the doctors had prescribed for her patients to something else. Mm -hmm. And over time, she just assumed that this thought she kept having was the Virgin Mary. Of course, it wasn't. The Virgin Mary does not misprescribe medication. Mm -hmm. it, it turned out it was a ghost, and she was just picking up telepathic thoughts from a ghost. And we put a stop to that. I mean, in, in a city, that could be quite a a lot of people a lot of people and i think that's why a lot of people in the city have anxiety or depression or upset and they're struggling with because they are picking up yeah all this it's like bombarded with all these thoughts that's why a lot of psychic people like to be out in the country <laughs> just me and my giant solo thought bubble right or I'm in my cave in the Himalayas or whatever, yeah, because no place else feels that good because it's just too much input. You can buffer that down by asking your angels, okay, I want to put a line around myself and keep out thought forms that are not mine. Or if a thought form crosses into my field, I want to be aware that it is not mine. Because then you can consciously be like, I want to send this thought back to that person. You have to send it back. Just, you know, there's just a traveling thought form. You just recognize that it's not yours and you just keep it away from you. Or not accept that or don't believe that that has any relevance on anything you're doing during the day. Oh, I have come across some people that were completely scattered. You know, they thought they're completely... Uh, in the wind of God's will, and they were just, you know, I should go to New York. I got to take a bus today. I must eat more mangoes. You know, they're just picking up so much random uh, telepathic thoughts and just thinking that whatever crosses into their mind is what, what they should do, what God wanted them to do or something of that nature. And they seem completely crazy um, and scattered. And it's hard, it was hard for me. I've had a few that it was hard to me actually to have a conversation with them because I couldn't even get a sentence out of them that made any sense. They're being pulled backwards, backwards and forwards because they just had the strong belief that all of those thoughts were divine messages. Mm -hmm. So you want to avoid that and just... Again, it's simple for me. Is that thought mine? Probably not. Or even if it is mine, do I want to incorporate that? Probably not. So, so just by recognizing that it's not yours and not wanting to incorporate it, does that keep it out of your yes. system and keep you healthier by not processing that? Yes, it does. Because you actually have, it's, a, it's like a divine law. You have authority and control over what comes into your system. But when you don't vote or you vote unconsciously, then you can get really mucked up. But if you start to say, no, I don't want foreign thoughts to come into my system. I'm not willing to incorporate any 
foreign thought forms into my system. I'm not willing to be connected to someone or have someone connect to me. Then you're building like you're building like the wall of China around you, this giant barrier that's not, you know, could be crossed, but not easily. And you're much more protected and you're going to have tons more energy and a lot less illness. A lot of this sounds like, you know, wow, I've got to be an enlightened person and I have to be so aware. And the truth of it is that's partly so. There's enough awareness to conscious effort and awareness, which means you would be enlightened or more so. And it's also a matter of choosing. It's like, okay, if I know it's not proper or healthy or maybe morally right to project into someone's energy, am I still going to do it anyway or not? I mean, I have had some people say, well, I've always done it. That works for me. And I'm going to continue doing that. And I've heard you say that same person has thyroid problems, pain in XYZ parts of their body and is generally unhealthy. They're usually very unhealthy. They're miserable. And they'll say, I hurt everywhere. Yeah. And over time, that will start to darken areas in your own chakra system. And then you'll get a reading from me and I'll be saying, well, you've got black in your solar plexus, black in your throat, because they picked up so much stuff that it's sucking the energy out of the chakras. And when it gets to a certain point, it turns black. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make them bad people, but they definitely have bad habits. And these bad habits aren't helping them. Well, here's to more consciousness for better habits. Right. That feels like a good idea. I'm unwilling to be connected to my mother. Good idea. (laughs) I heartily recommend that. You definitely don't want to feel this 70-year-old body in your little body. (laughs) There's no point in that. No benefit in it. So, yes. Yes, I hope everybody decides, hey, I'm going to be more appropriate and I'm going to do what's best for me and I'm going to feel better. And that will make you a better healer. That will make you a better massage therapist. It'll make you a better therapist, whatever you're doing out there with other people. It'll even make you, if you're a baker or a cook or something, it's going to make you better. It's going to improve what you're doing. All right. Well, if anybody else has additional questions, After listening to this episode, call in and send us a voice message. There is a link at the bottom of this podcast description. Don't hesitate to sign up for guided meditations on our subscription, $2.99 a month. A great deal. And it's like a great deal. Feels like a great deal. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So keep listening, keep sharing, and we'll have another episode for you next time.